We are in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading with verse 22 down to verse 33. I debated on whether or not to preach a, a message on the birth of Christ, which I will tonight, but then it dawned on me that Jesus was born all through the pages of this book. He, he lived, he performed miracles, he died for our sins, rose again from the grave. This book is about Jesus Christ. Amen. And I love it, I love it, I love it. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22 down to verse 33. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get them into a ship and to go before him on the other side. And while he sent the multitude away, when he had sent that multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the, and on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when, Jesus, and when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answering him said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. What a prayer. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, what a Savior, and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Boy, where does that put us? Wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I want to use for a subject this morning, Jesus came on a dark, stormy night. You may be seated. Jesus is coming, and it is a dark day in our land. We're living in a very dark and stormy time. And Jesus Christ is coming soon. We want to look at some of the contrast between Jesus' first coming, born of a virgin, born in the stable, laid in a manger. We want to contrast that time in which Jesus Christ came and the time in which we live in which Jesus Christ will come again. When you look at the Christmas songs and you talk about you know, the songs about Jesus, the birth, I'm always reminded of the song, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm and All is Bright. Well, it didn't get silent long because the angel made an announcement, the newborn king is born. It didn't stay silent. It was far from a silent night. Now, beginning, the shepherds were in the field watching their sheep by night. And it was quiet. It was calm. 
But it doesn't stay calm, and it doesn't stay quiet. Because a bright light would shine, and the message of Christ would come. So when Jesus Christ came, he came at a time that was under bondage, Roman rule. When he came the first time, he came in a time in which people were long awaiting and very hungrily looking for the coming of the Messiah. But they missed him. Many of them missed him because they didn't understand God's program. God came the first time to save us from our sin. He's coming the second time to take us away and save us from a world of sin. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And what it'll be a glorious day in that day. In this uh, scripture that I've read to you about Jesus in the boat, the wind is contrary. Jesus comes walking to them on the sea, not water, on the sea. Otherwise, Jesus walks on the sea. You can walk on water, but when you're walking on the sea, you're walking on the waves. You're walking on everything. And Jesus tried to walk on, uh, Peter tried to walk on the water and he got in trouble, but Jesus walked on the sea. And how I many know you need to do more than walk on water to survive, to survive in this life? You say, well, you can't do it. It's impossible. That's what I'm trying to say. Only Jesus can give us the impossible and he can fulfill the impossible in our life. Now, this scripture that we're reading, this story about Jesus telling the multitude, he disbanded the multitude. He sent the disciples into a ship to go across to the other side. And Jesus went up into a mountain. The Bible says when he went up into the mountain, he was there alone in prayer. I want you to know Jesus has went up, and he is in heaven awaiting to come and get us so that he will not be alone that those that he've redeemed will be with him in the clouds of glory and in the coming of our Lord. So I want to first begin by saying Jesus went up to intercede. He fed the multitude, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, with five loaves and two fish. He performed an incredible miracle, and the people decided that this must be the Messiah, and so Jesus had to send them away because they were going to try to make him king. And it wasn't time for Jesus to topple Rome. It was time for him to topple our sins in our life and conquer the darkness that's in our life. And so these disciples are sent away, and Jesus is on the mountain, and he's interceding for the disciples. He's praying, talking to God. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost to come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth, to make intercession for us. Verse 22 and 23 says that Jesus went up into a mountain to pray. Verse 23. And when it became dark, evening was come, he was there alone. The disciples were sent forth into the sea to go across the other side. And as they were going across the other side, a windstorm hit. It was in the darkness of the night that a storm came and hit the disciples in that boat. The wind was blowing hard. Verse 24 says the wind was contrary. 
And it says in verse 25 that it was the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. So in the fourth watch of the night, and we're told in, in, in John chapter 6 that they were halfway across the Sea of Galilee, three to three and a half miles. They were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee when the wind hit and the storm came. And I mean, no, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out we're in the middle of a mess right now. And the wind is contrary. And the Bible says at that moment it was dark. In fact, John chapter 6, verse 17 says, it, and it was now dark. I can shout out, it is now dark. We're awaiting the coming of Jesus. It's a dark time. Sickness and disease is invading the planet. It's a dark time. Worse than that, sin is running rampant rampant around the planet. Wickedness, like the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, is on our right hand to our left. There's unspeakable, filthy, wicked sins in this godless, God-hating, unbelieving world. It is a dark time. And we're seeing economic storms, and we're seeing uh, uh, storms of wars and rumors of war. We're seeing storms on the horizon. It seems like the clouds are gathering, lightning's flashing, the wind's beginning to blow. And let me tell you, that's when Jesus Christ will return for his church. That's when Jesus Christ will return any day. And when Jesus Christ showed up the first time in Luke chapter 2, there was no lightning, there was no wind, there was no storm. It was calm, silent. The shepherds were there abiding in the field by night. They were living in the field. And then Jesus Christ comes in the dark, heavy darkness of Roman rule. Jesus comes. The angel announced, he's here. He's here. The son of David, the king of Israel is here. The Jesus that will save this people from their sins is here. And the shepherds are there in the field. And the sky lights up with a bright star. Angel stands up and says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you this day is a Savior in Bethlehem born. Amen. And they told the shepherds, you go down there and you'll see a sign. The babe will be wrapped in clothes they're wrapped and laid in a manger, swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. And those shepherds begin to bound to the darkness. Well, the angels shout. The angel says, let me announce the Son of God. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, may I announce to you and introduce you to you the Son of Almighty God. I don't want to get into my sermon tonight, but the shepherds went running to the stable where Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And the shepherds run there. The sky was lit up with a host of heavenly angels, a host of heavenly creatures. The sky, not just angels, but the sky was lit up with a host of heaven shouting, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And those shepherds come running. I believe they come running. 
And they came into that stable and they found where Jesus was. And there's a sign. The sun is wrapped. The baby's wrapped in swaddling clothes. I believe the stable was full of sheep because Bethlehem was where they raised sheep for sacrifice. Jesus is the bread of life. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And Jesus comes as the bread of life for mankind. And those shepherds looked at that baby while the women said, Ah, oh. while the shepherds said, Glory to God. While the sheep went, Bah, bah. And the cattle went, Muh, muh. And the donkey went, He, ah. Oh. <laughs> Amen. I'm trampling all over my sermon tonight. We'll get there. Let's look at the second coming of Jesus Christ because I believe that he could come at any moment. And the Bible says that Jesus is in heaven. He went to be with the Father. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus today makes intercession for you and I. It's now dark. It's now stormy. As John 6, 17 says, it was now dark. And there Jesus Christ comes down off the mountain, he descends from his glory cloud of prayer. He comes marching down off the mountain. He's in a hurry. He's coming to the sea because he saw his disciples rowing. The wind was contrary. He saw his disciples about to give up. He saw his disciples troubled and broken. And Jesus scurries down the mountain, comes to the sea, and he just walks on top of the sea to get to his children. Why? Because they're struggling. They're hurting. They're in pain, they're in agony, and they're in darkness. And one day Jesus will come. He will come. Because we're struggling, we're in darkness, we're, we're going through a hard time. This world is going through a very hard time. But I want you to notice that Mark 6, 48 says that it was about the fourth watch of the night. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 25, our text, it says it was the fourth watch of the night, but Mark says it was about the fourth watch of the night. Now, Hebrews did not measure time like Romans. Hebrews measured time like Genesis. And the evening and the morning were the next day. And the evening, the evening was first. Evening and morning was the first day. Evening and morning was the second day. And so the Hebrews began their day six o'clock at night. The first watch would be six to nine. The second watch would be nine to 12. The third watch would be 12 to three. The fourth watch would be three to six in the morning. But notice Mark says that it was before, just before, about the fourth watch of the night. So Jesus Christ came at a very dark time, and he's going to come again at a very dark time. He came at a dark time the first time, but everybody was expecting him. They were the Messiah's coming. I believe even the shepherds discussed it somewhat. Now we live in a world that 
Shoot, a lot of people don't even believe in God. At least Israel believed in God when he came the first time. But I mean, no, Jesus came to Israel, and from there he expanded to the world. But on his second coming, he's not coming to Israel first. He's coming to the world first to call his church home. And so he's coming at a dark time. And we're in that dark time. The Bible says that Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Now, I don't want you to think I don't want you to think I'm splitting hairs here or I'm trying to be tedious here, but it's very clear that Jesus walked on the sea, not just water. And a sea is the picture of sea. Uh, a sea is a picture in Revelation of, of very turbulent, very troubled people. A sea is a picture of the atmospheric pressure above us and the waters below. And Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, shall descend from heaven, coming down off his mountain, coming down into the clouds of glory, coming down upon the sea of humanity. He's coming. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I said he's coming. Hallelujah. And right now, Jesus is in the throne room, and he's making intercession for you and I. You're weary? Jesus is praying for you. That's a lot of encouragement. Jesus is praying for me. He said, well, you know, Brother Don's praying for you, Pastor. Brother Jerry's praying for you, Pastor. Brother Chris is praying for you, Pastor. Yeah, but I appreciate them boys. But Jesus is praying for me. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. And so these disciples, there's blisters on their hands. They've been rowing. It's contrary. Uh, the wind is blowing against them. They're trying to get across the water. They're just trying to obey Jesus. He said, go to the other side. They're just trying to do what Jesus told them to do. And they're fighting. The wind's coming, hitting them in, in the face head on. Their hands are blistered from the rowing. The contrary, uh, uh, the Bible says the wind was contrary as they were in their rowing. And they're trying to get across. They're not getting anywhere. They're not getting anywhere. I don't want to disturb you, but you're not going to get anywhere either till Jesus returns. Now, you might get a little wear in your cracker box of life, but we're not going nowhere till Jesus takes us somewhere. Woo! Praise the Lord. And so they were troubled, and Jesus came down off his mountain, and he come walking on the sea. The Bible says as he's walking on the sea, the disciples look up in that wind, in that darkness, and they see something shining in the darkness of the night. And it terrified them. They said, whoa, there's a spirit walking on the waters toward us. We've had it. Our boat's going to sink. We're done. But the Bible says that when they saw that in verse 26 coming, and they saw the wind contrary, the Bible says that as he was coming, that Jesus Christ said to them when they cried out for fear, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid, verse 27. It is I, be not afraid. It is I, be not afraid. In your storm, Jesus is there. Yeah. 
In your sickness, Jesus is there. In your oppression, Jesus is there. And I want to tell you, friend, Jesus is here. He's in this house. He's in my heart. He's in your heart. And he's coming again. He's in our future. Be of good cheer, Jesus Christ said. It is I, be not afraid. But as Christians, and let me make this statement because I, 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 I'm included in this. All of God's people at times feel like they are about to sink. Hello. Now, Jesus got out of the boat. He's walking on the water. So I would classify him as one of the better ones. He's walking on water. The lesser ones in the boat, you know, James the less. And they're in the boat. But either way, Peter, James, and John and the disciples are God's disciples, and Peter's out there walking on water because Jesus Christ had come while others are trying to walk on water, and Peter reaches to the place where he also stumbles, sees the wind boisterous, sees the waves, and he cries out, Lord, he begins to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretched forth his hand, lifts him up, and say, and I want you to know when Jesus Christ returns the second time, he's going to pull some of us out of the drowning waters and he's going to rescue us and take us home. And so the disciples are in the ship and Jesus Christ is walking. Before Peter says, Lord, if it's you bid me to come, before that, they thought it wasn't Jesus. They thought it was some spirit. And the Bible says, because they thought it was not Christ, because they thought it was not Jesus coming. The Bible says in Mark 6, 48, as Jesus was walking on the sea on the fourth watch of the night, that's in verse 48, Mark 6, he would have passed by them. He would have passed by them. That's a sad indictment on the world today. He would have passed by them. How many know when Jesus returns, he's going to pass by some folks? Because they're not looking for him. They're not trusting him. They're not of a good cheer about him. They're not resting in the, in the good word of God. They're not believing. They're not looking. They're not, they're not searching in the spiritual heavens of their word of God and of their troubled mind. They're not reaching out to God. And, and, and because they're not reaching out, those of you that are reaching out, we're looking and we'll, we'll not allow Jesus to pass by. Don't allow Jesus to pass by. But one day, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, but everybody else he'll pass by. I don't want Jesus to pass by me. Hello. You see, you need to look for him in the darkest of the night. You need to expect him in the times of the storm. 
You need to look for him in the times of sickness and disease. You need to look for him in the times of adversity and despair because he's there. And if you don't see him, he'll pass you by. You'll die with a broken heart. You'll die uh, in defeat. You'll die in great discouragement. You'll die in great depression because you're not looking for him. But if you look for him and discern him, he won't pass by. He'll stop. And he'll get on board with you. Hello? And the Bible says that he came taking Peter with him to, by the way, Peter could actually be another picture of the dead in Christ being brought out of the waters when Jesus returns. And he brings Peter with him to the boat. We that are alive and remaining should be caught up to meet the Lord in the air in the boat. Hello? Now, come on. Come on, let me look at you. Let me look at you. Did you have a bad night? Are you listening to me? I just, you know, you say, you say, preacher, didn't they teach you in seminary, cemetery? Didn't they teach you not to look at people like that because they'll think you're preaching at them? Didn't they teach you not to point? Yeah, I didn't get the memo. I thought, I thought the guy that told me never point didn't know what he's talking about. I think it was, I, I got tickled. The guy's preaching to a bunch of preachers in Reno, Nevada. I was in the crowd, and he was telling all the preachers, don't ever point at anybody when you're preaching. And then he's pointing at us all the time. You can't preach and not point. Amen. Hello. You can't preach and not have a point. Amen? Kind of like the fat guy crawling under the barbed wire fence, preaching like just a few more points to go. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and so Jesus will return. And when Jesus gets in the boat, the Bible says that, and you'll find this in, in, uh, you'll find this in, in uh, Mark chapter 6, John chapter 6, Matthew chapter 14, you'll find that when Jesus got in the boat, immediately they were at shore. And when Jesus returns and empties our boat, and the dead in Christ arise first, immediately we'll be on the other shore. Come on. I really want to get to the other shore. And even if it takes blisters on my hands, even I'm not going to let Jesus pass by. I'm going to keep my focus no matter what the storm. Keep my focus no matter how high the wind is. Keep my focus no matter how dark it is. Keep my focus no matter what's coming my way. Keep my focus because I don't want Jesus to pass me by. Amen. And the Bible says that when Jesus got in there, he told him, be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid, verse 27. And Peter answers, if, if it's you, bid me to come. Of course, he gets out, and he, he trips, and he stumbles. And let, Before you criticize Peter right now, stop and consider that Peter walked twice on the water. Amen. Verse 32 and 33. 
And they were come into the ship, and the wind ceased immediately. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Now, what did Jesus do just before he constrained his disciples, told them to get in the ship and go across to the other side? What did Jesus do just before he sent the multitudes away? What was it that Jesus just did just before he went up on the mountain? We preached about it Sunday, last Sunday. He fed the multitude. He broke the five loaves and two fish, and he fed 10, 12,000 people. What an incredible miracle that was. Amen? And so the disciples, they're going across the sea. They've just seen, in fact, the, the, the feeding of the 5,000, the bread and, and the two loaves, uh, the five loaves and the two fish, the feeding of the 5,000 is mentioned in all four Gospels. And only one other miracle is mentioned in all four Gospels. And it is a miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it must be very important. And so when the disciples saw the wind cease and immediately the ship was on the other side, they said, what manner of man is this? It just blowed them away. And they said, of a truth, this is the Son of God. Well, if they wasn't convinced that the feeding of the 5,002 fish, they are a hopeless bunch. It took the resurrection to straighten them out. Amen? And the father says to the son, let's go another direction here. You're going to die and raise again from the grave. But Mark chapter 6.52 is a revealing scripture. After they marveled at what Jesus did. They were fearful. They were cry Jesus Christ said, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. After this marvelous miracle and Jesus coming to rescue them, Mark chapter 6, verse 52, and they considered not the miracle to the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Whose heart was hardened? Not the people on the hillside, the people in the boat. The disciples' hearts were hardened. You mean, preacher, it's possible for a child of God to get a hardened heart? Yes, it is possible. Does that mean they're going to hell? No. It just means that they're kind of fizzled out, they're wore out, they're calloused. And they're considered not the loaves of bread. They considered not the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. They doubted because they considered not the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Their heart was hardened. They didn't watch Peter walk on water, but their heart was hardened. They didn't watch Jesus walk on the sea, but their heart was hardened. They saw Jesus, the bread of life, feeding Thousands and thousands of people, yet their heart was hardened. Let's go back to the first coming of Jesus. He changed time. He changed history. He came as a sovereign God robed in flesh, Jesus. He brought us this book, the Bible. 
He brought us miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. God's word, God's breathtaking, God's breath-giving word. He gave us God, God's creative word. He gave us miracle. The leper is cleansed. The blinded eye is open. The dead rise from the grave. Jesus Christ goes to the cross and sheds his blood, agonizes on the cross for sins of you and I, shedding his holy blood on the cross of Calvary. He's put in a tomb and we rose again from the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. Yet there are millions of people today, their heart is hardened. They consider not the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. They consider not the coming of the newborn king. They consider not the life of Jesus Christ. They consider not the, the miracles of Christ. They consider not the feeding of 5,000. They consider not the walking on the water. They consider not the Bible. And the whole world's heart is hardened. And God is saying, I'm not giving you the lost these miracles. I'm giving the saved these miracles. So that you can trust me. So that you can rest in my grace and my mercy. And when the disciples became terrified on the sea and they doubted, Jesus Christ said, you consider not the five loaves. You consider not the feeding of the 5,000. You consider not what I did. Yet in this water of despair, in this lifetime of, of you saw me do miracle after miracle, and though I haven't saw him geographically and physically do miracle after miracle, although I've seen some miracles in, in the ministry that the Lord's placed me in, the glory be to God. I've seen God do some wonderful things, but trust me, trust me, God gave us a whole book of miracles, a whole promise of truth, a whole promise of God's love, and showed us a visual of Jesus Christ, God, robed in flesh, dying on the cross of Calvary, yet the world has hardened their heart. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the things of God. The world has hardened their heart, and even believers have got to the place they're hardened heart, but they don't even think Jesus could come today. Amen? Listen, if the way to a man's stomach isn't to his heart, which obviously that is true, or Jesus would have got them all taken care of, then it's not through the way of a man's stomach or a woman's stomach to their heart. It must be through their death, through their rescue from the grave. It's a way to their heart. When Jesus rose again from the grave, he not only opened the tomb, he opened my heart. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he crushed my heart. When Jesus Christ bled and died, he crushed my soul. He crushed my heart. He bittered my soul. I've sinned against God. I'm sorry, God. And when Jesus died on that cross, he brought repentance to my soul. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. Forgive me for my sins. And then when he went to the tomb, my heart was crushed. Woo! 
But three days and three nights later, up from the grave, he opened the tomb, rose again from the dead, and he opened my heart. And if, and if the way to a man's heart is not his stomach, in which that's true, it's not, then the way to the tomb must be the way to open our hearts. Jesus knew it wasn't going to be done by cleansing the leper. He knew it wasn't going to be done by the opening of the blinded eyes. He knew it wasn't going to be done by feeding of the 5,000. He knew it wasn't going to be done by him walking on water. Jesus knew it wouldn't be done by him causing the dumb to speak and the lame to leap for joy. He said, what I'll do it is I'll go to the cross and I'll crush the sensitive heart of man. I'll crush their heart of stone and make it crumble. And I'll put a heart of flesh, put a heart of compassion. I'll break their heart. I'll show them I love them. I'll show them I care. And then I'll take everything to the tomb. And while their hope flickers out, the flame is gone. While they're tall and rowing, and the wind is contrary, and the blisters are on their hands, and while they don't know how they're going to get to the other side, Oh, up from the grave, Jesus Christ arose, ascended to the throne room of God, making intercession for you and I, saying, hang on, church. Hang on, saints of God. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm going to make the stable scene. I'm going to make the major scene look like toothpicks in a forest. I'm coming back in blazing glory. I'm not coming back to be wrapped in swaddling clothes in a diaper. I'm coming back with a white stallion, a breathing white stallion, an angelic white stallion. I'm coming back in the clouds of glory. I'm going to take my church home. And then on the clouds of glory, we can sing Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. Woo. Well, I didn't preach myself happy. All you sourpusses out there, I'm happy. God knows some of you wouldn't be any deader if you'd drunk a quart of NyQuil before you got here. I'm just kidding. Come on, get off of it. Look at the comparison. This miracle that Jesus performed, coming, walking on the sea, on the mountain interceding, coming down to his disciples, pulling Peter out of the watery grave, the dead in Christ arise first. Jesus Christ coming to his disciples immediately on shore. And he would have passed by everybody that didn't believe it. Hello. And he says to you and I, because of the hardness of your heart, you doubt me. Consider the five loaves. Consider 
the feeding of the multitude. Consider the risen Savior. Consider the glory, wonderful King of kings and Lord of lords. Consider him. For Jesus came on a dark, stormy night. And I think we're in that now. Jesus came in a dark, stormy night. And it's dark and it's stormy. And we're weary and we're tired. And we're hurting. And we're broken. We just need our king to come home. We just need our king to come. And I don't want to be those that he would pass by. Won't trust him. Trust him. This is not the typical Christmas Eve sermon. But boy, is it relative. I don't know when Jesus is coming. He may come on Christmas. He may come on his real birthday. I don't know when that is, but he may come. And he may come before we have Christmas Eve tonight. But he's coming. He's coming. And don't let the hardness of your heart neglect and not pay attention to his first coming and not pay attention to him who is real and him who is coming again in the clouds of glory. Don't let your heart be hardened. Don't forget everything he's done. Because if you forget what he's done, he may just walk past by you. Just walk past you. And by the way, if your heart is hard and you are a Christian and the Lord returns and your heart is hard, you're going to go up miserable, but you're going to go up. Hello? You're, you're going to go up. You say, I'm tired and I'm weary. I, oh, got good news. If you're a born-again Christian, you're going up. But why waste a good Christmas Eve and be sad and despaired? Why waste the coming weeks? Why waste the coming years? Why waste time when Jesus Christ is coming? This is your chance to dance. This is your chance to shout. This is your chance to give glory to God. This is your chance to believe God. This is your chance to believe in the five loaves of, uh, the five loaves of bread, the feeding of the 5,000, to believe in the resurrection of the dead. This is your chance to believe in it. Soften your heart. Trust God and let God give you a real move of the Spirit of God on this Christmas Eve. Amen. I'm going to close with this. I was, we had our Christmas yesterday with the kids. Man, they had a good time. Only four or five fist fights, but we, it did good. The, the grandsons. The grandsons. We got a granddaughter to get into them fist fights too, but anyway. 
We got a granddaughter can hold her own, don't we? Yeah. And uh, the, the adults didn't get in no fist fight. We got along just fine. But the kids, you know, cousins, you know how cousins are. The key, if you mess with one of the mothers, but they can mess with each other and have fun at it. Right. They're all opening the presents. I'm sitting in my chair, my recliner. I'm not moving. I've already had cherry pie. I've already had turkey and dressing. I've already had real cranberry sauce with the berries. I've already had a good meal, and I'm sitting, and my caboose is pretty heavy. I'm sitting in my chair. The kids are having a blast, and one of the young boys, Juju's son, stepson, his name is Logan, and he's, he's doing this work in a and the gift, he's, he's, he is memorized, he is, he is just thrilled with what he could do with this car. One of them cars you could take the nuts and bolts off, and some of you needed to do that before you got older. But anyway, he was taking, and he wanted me to see. He said, come over here. Papa, come over here. He wanted me to get out of my chair. He wanted me to go over there where he was at and disarm and dismantle his car. And I just sit there. I said, that's nice, son. That's wonderful, son. He came back to me and he looked at me and he said, if you can get up. <laughs> Papa, if you can get up, I'll show you something. And I said, Papa can't get up. I want to say to everybody in this room, if you can get up, God will show you something. Amen? So if you can get up, we'll have a give, give an invitation. Come on. If you can get up, we'll have an invitation. Are you glad you came? Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My, now, let me just give you a serious invitation here. When Jesus came, he would have passed by. And if you're in this room right now and you've not taken the word seriously, you've not taken the miracles of Christ seriously, you've not taken Jesus seriously, you've not taken your sin seriously, then Jesus will pass by you. In your storm, in your death, in your heartbreak, Jesus will pass by you. But if you'll fasten your eyes on him and look to him for help, he will not pass us by. He'll take care of us. But so many people today, because their heart is hardened, they believe not the miracle of the loaves of bread, not the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. There's a world out there that doesn't believe because their heart is hardened. And sin hardens their heart Pleasures of the world hardens their heart. The things of this world hardens their heart. And Jesus gave us a whole book. He gives us live stories. Sister Doris, her, her miracle. 
He gives us real miracles. He gives us real salvation. He gives us real moves of God. And he says, don't you consider, consider the five loaves. Consider Jesus is alive. Consider he's a real God, a real Savior, a real deliverer, a real healer. He's a real Savior. Jesus Christ is real. And he's coming back for you and I. Merry Christmas, everybody. The Lord could return at any moment. God's go ahead.